the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Thursday, January the 27th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1756, composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. He was born in Salzburg, Austria. I love Mozart's music, mainly because it's mostly in a positive key. It's not a negative or a minor key. It's in a major key. Today in 1880, Thomas Edison received a patent on his electric incandescent lamp. Today in 1888, the National Geographic Society was incorporated in Washington, D.C. Today in 1945, during World War II, Allied troops liberated the Nazi concentration camps of Auschwitz and Birkenau in Poland. Today in 1981, President Ronald Reagan and his wife Nancy greeted the 52 former American hostages released by Iran at the White House. They were home at last. Today in 2006, Western Union delivered its last telegram. Today in 2010, Apple CEO Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs was probably pretty much of the reason why Western Union's telegrams were no longer needed. Email had come. Today in 2010, Apple CEO Steve Jobs unveiled the iPad tablet computer. He presented that in San Francisco. Today in 2020, China confirmed more than 2,700 cases of this new coronavirus with more than 80 deaths in China. Wuhan, China, where the virus came from. Ten years ago today, a federal judge in Seattle sentenced the barefoot bandit. Remember him? I think his name was Colton Harris Moore. I, I can't remember how old he was. He was young, though. He was a, like a kid. But anyway, he became known as the barefoot bandit. You'll, you, those of you in the area remember will remember this. They uh, sentenced him to, they finally caught him. They couldn't catch him for a long time, and people started cheering him on. I mean, and he was stealing stuff and one thing or another. He wasn't violent, but he was just stealing things. He stole, uh, I think he, he would break in and steal food and one thing or another. And then he uh, stole a boat. He even stole an airplane at one point. And so he had this big following of people cheering him on, not only in the Puget Sound area, but across the country. Anyway, that happened today. He got sentenced today to, and uh, 10 years ago today, six and a half years in prison. One year ago today, in an effort to control climate change, those are his words, President Biden signed executive orders to transform the nation's fossil fuel-powered economy into a clean-burning one, pausing oil and gas leasing on federal land and targeting subsidies for those industries. Yep, here we go again. Remember Solyndra and all those companies that Barack Obama helped create when he was president? Most of them went bankrupt. All of them were corrupt to one degree or another. We live in changing, 
confusing times. But there is one consistent thing that we can count on every day of our life. And that is, as the psalmist writes, a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. God is with us and God is in control. There is no question about that. Justice Stephen Breyer discovered yesterday that he was not in control, Supreme Court Justice, of his own career. (laughs) He's 83 years old, and people have been demanding that he retire because they want Joe Biden to have the opportunity to pick an even further left justice than Breyer has been. So he he heard in the press, he heard in the news yesterday that he would be retiring in June. At the end of this session, he said he was shocked. Some people close to him said he was a little upset. That others said, no, no, we we were mistaken. He wasn't upset. He probably got a memo from the Oval Office saying, you better not be upset. Just be nice and retire. I think that's kind of the way this came down. I don't know for sure, but that's what I feel about it, at least, that he was planning to retire uh, come June, the end of this session of the Supreme Court, but I don't think he planned for it to be announced yesterday. But the the far left is so um, obsessed with getting a young, black, crazy far left woman in that seat. No, I, I'm not making this up. Biden has promised this. They want this to happen because everybody kind of knows that unless something pretty miraculous happens, Joe Biden is not going to be reelected as president of the United States. He says he's going to run. The only person in the leadership, top leadership of America that's less approved than Joe Biden right now would be his vice president. He said in 2020 presidential campaign election, President Joe Biden, he promised to appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court if a vacancy became available. As president, I'd be honored, honored, I'm quoting him, to appoint the first African-American woman because it should look like the country. It's long past. That was February of 2020. He said it again in uh, March of 2021, and he said it again just a couple of weeks ago when someone asked him. In March 2021, House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, she said Biden is absolutely, these are her words, committed to his promise if the opportunity presented itself with the news of Justice Breyer's retirement, Biden may have his chance. Vice President Kamala Harris may be that person. Amazing. Are we getting ready for a U.S. Supreme Court Justice Kamala Harris? I don't know. I haven't spoken to President Biden recently. Or ever. <clears throat> but honestly, Biden is probably trying to find it a way, I mean, maybe, to get rid of Kamala Harris. From what I read, and I read an awfully lot, they don't get along all that great, and their staffs do not. The people that work for them directly do not get along. If she's on the Supreme Court, she can't be a pain in the neck to him and others. And also, She couldn't go out there and try to run for president, which she's done before, 
couldn't even stay in the presidential race for the Democrat Party till they till they got the vote in California. I mean, she her own state. She couldn't even stay in it that long. So if Biden can't run in 2024, and I don't think anyone really thinks he's going to, except maybe he does. He says he's going to. But they could get rid of her, move her over without embarrassing a lot of people. NBC suggests that that could be, but they say he has a lot of other choices. Well, he doesn't really have a lot of choices because he has said it will be a black woman. And generally, generally, Supreme Court justices are usually elevated from a federal appeals court. At least that's been my observation. Eleven of the last 12 confirmed justices came from the appellate court. The exception was Elena Kagan, who was the U.S. Solicitor General uh, under Obama, and she's on the court now. But only five black women are now on U.S. appeals court, and all of them will be 68 or older, years old, or older this year. So we'll all be older this year, won't we? Anyway, they'll be older by the time this could happen, was what I meant. But Biden is facing a lot of pressure to move this thing forward and and get Breyer, send him to the beach or the back porch or whatever, and get a young black woman in the court. And there's not a lot of those folks to choose from if you follow any kind of, I mean, do they have to be qualified or do, do they just have to be black? It seems that being black and female is more important than being qualified. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's true. I don't know. This Kentasha Brown Jackson, she's 49 years old. She is one that has been mentioned. She's been relentless in trying to bring down Trump. She's the one that said not just a year or so ago, she said presidents are not kings in regards to Donald Trump, suggesting that he thought he was the king. This came in one of several of her rulings against Trump. She's also, interestingly enough, just a side note, this uh, Jackson, Jackson Brown Jackson, uh, she's also related by marriage to Paul Ryan. Remember him, the former Speaker of the House, Republican guy? Well, she's a relative of his through marriage. But you have to ask yourself, does judging people by the color of their skin diminish or elevate them in any way? MLK didn't think so, and he's a hero. He said he dreamed of a day when we wouldn't be making choices and making characterizations on people and judging them by the color of their skin. He said it's got to be about the content of their character. And character hasn't even come up in the conversation. It's only about the color of your skin and female. Does Is Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is he actually, is that an illegal approach to the Supreme Court? Jonathan Turley thinks it is. He's a George Washington University Law School professor. He said... He said yesterday, he said Joe Biden's criteria for a new Supreme Court justice that she be black and female are unconstitutional. And the left often quote him as a hero, as one of the leading constitutional lawyers in America. 
But he says the fact that she has to be black and female, that's unconstitutional in any other context. He said the court itself has ruled that that's not legal to hire people on the basis of their gender and their race. <laughs> he said in, this, in his debate with Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden made two pledges to voters and asked his opponent to do the same, to nominate only a black woman for the next open Supreme Court seat and to choose a woman as, as his vice president. Turley says even with identity politics, the pledge to impose a gender and race requirement for the next Supreme Court nominee is ironic as it is troubling. What Biden was declaring, and what Sanders wisely avoided, Turley says, would effectively constitute discrimination in admission to the Supreme Court. Indeed, the Supreme Court has declared that such uh, race or gender conditions are strictly unconstitutional for admission to public colleges. The pledges that Biden has made amount to this. No matter how qualified men, or in the case of the Supreme Court, women who are not black may be, he will not consider them as candidates. In the case of the vice president, such gender discrimination, Turley says, would be allowed under the Constitution because presidential candidates can select a running mate on any grounds and voters can decide if they approve or disapprove with their vote. Justices, Turley says, however, are lifetime appointees and presidents have always been careful to state that while they seek diversity among their nominees, they would appoint the most qualified person regardless of race, religion, gender, and sexual orientation. But he says in a single declaration, Joe Biden quickly dispensed with even the pretense of equal consideration. In other words, it's a farce. They don't believe in what they say. They just say it, and then they do what they want to do. Turley says imposing an absolute requirement that a nominee be a particular gender and race is effectively an affirmative action pledge. It is precisely what the Supreme Court already declared to be unconstitutional discrimination. Boy, we live in an interesting world, don't we? It's almost unbelievable what's happening. Sometimes I look at I look at what I know, and I think, is this truly happening in America? It is. It is. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told members of a caucus on a caucus call Tuesday night, night before last, that she wants to rush through a massive bill, $500 million, wants to rush it through in just the next few days, because she said national security and sovereignty are on the line. And I wondered, has Democrat leadership finally decided to take action to secure our southern border? I hope so. I pray that they have. Well, <laughs> according to two congressional sources who were not allowed to talk, they were told specifically not to talk to the press about this. Two of them called their favorite people in the press and talked to them about it, of course. But they said that Pelosi is in such a rush that she told the caucus privately, and she thought confidentially, that the caucus, she told them that she said, I'm going to skip marking up the bill, meaning looking at all of it from a realistic point of view, basically. I'm going to skip marking up the bill so I can expedite it, move it directly to the House floor, and possibly get it passed early next week. She's demanding 
Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, demanding that the House vote immediately on this legislation because she says it's crucial and critical to our national security. The bill she's talking about, among other things, affirms, I'm quoting from the bill, affirms the central importance of national borders. It will, the bill says, bolster support for sovereignty, independence, territorial integrity, and inviolability of borders. Well, when Fox News' Tucker Carlson got a hold of this and saw a little bit of the legislation and heard what Pelosi had said, he said, well, of course it does. Without a border, you can't have a country. And Nancy Pelosi firmly believes that. In fact, she believes it so strongly, I'm quoting Tucker Carlson, she believes it so strongly she's directing the Biden administration to develop an urgent new plan to keep the border secure. In fact, not simply secure, but in the words of the new legislation, Section 208, inviolable, meaning impossible to breach, walled up, buttoned down, bulletproof. That's quite a border, he says. End of quote. Then he says, why wouldn't it be? When it comes to borders, Nancy Pelosi isn't messing around. He said, are you surprised to hear this? Well, he said, you may have misunderstood. Pelosi isn't talking about the U.S. border, the one that actually matters. She's talking about the Ukrainian border. Then he said this. The bill Pelosi is promoting is called the Defending Ukraine Sovereignty Act. Its purpose is to guarantee Ukraine's sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity. These are all the things that all countries need. This is Nancy Pelosi, who just stands by and smiles and laughs and looks funny sometimes. As two million people came across our southern border this year, illegals, undocumented, the Biden administration doesn't even know where they are, has no clue. Two million in 12 months. Now she's making the case for secure borders, national sovereignty, and all the rest of it. Ukraine has been put ahead of us in the queue for secure borders. And honestly, Tucker Carlson said, you can see why. We used to say when we were kids growing up in the United States, he says sarcastically, he says, what's good for the lightly populated Russian colony of Ukraine is good for us. As the oldest and most cherished ally yoked tightly to the American people by the ancient bonds of friendship, shared culture and barisma, Carlson said Ukraine comes first. It has to come first. When caravans of undocumented Russians appear on the Ukrainian border, the United States doesn't sit by idly. The United States swoons in with deadly weapons to push these people back. We'll send missiles to Ukraine if we have to. In fact, we already have billions of dollars worth. End of quote. Well, she was extolling the importance of immigration, a.k.a. open borders, in the United States. How can Pelosi and her colleagues pivot so quickly to extolling Ukraine to be the one place on earth at the moment that must remain secure. I'm not against Ukraine. I've worked with the pastors there. I've had contact with that country. haven't done a lot of work in the country, but I've had contact with the pastors from there and, and have been closely associated in the past. And I know a lot of Ukrainians that live here in the United States. There's a lot of Christian Ukrainians living in the United States. So th this isn't about that. 
It's just about the duplicitous approach that our Congress is taking, the left, the Democrats, about a biblical matter, national sovereignty. This isn't just about we love America. It's that, but it's much more. Why are these people so willing to go to the mat, threaten severe consequences, embrace principles, threaten to go to war with Russia, and embrace principles they hate when they're applied to our own country? Tucker said this a little later in his program. I read the whole script of his program. I'm sharing just a bit of it. But Tucker said this. So just to restate, we're allowing foreigners who come here illegally in violation of our laws, which are enforced by our current government, which is undermining democracy by its refusal to enforce those laws. Those people get to use their arrest warrants to get on airplanes while you have to show ID. Meanwhile, again, you can't say this enough, we'll stop after this Congress is doing everything it can, pulling out all the stops to send more money to Eastern Europe to protect the borders of Ukraine. Carlson said it's it's like it's not even real. But it is real. End of quote. When pressed as to why these double-minded actions, the president, the vice president, the speaker, They all testify to their deep Christian faith. How that leads them to fight for the strangers crossing the border. I've heard Pelosi say that. I've heard Biden say that. I I think Kamala Harris said something like that. Why would this compassion not apply to the Ukraine border? It's biblical. But then we have to ask ourselves, why does it apply? apply to our border? Why does Christianity, why does biblical truth lead us to destroy our own country from within while we save others from without? No, I'm serious. One reason is that they are not only misinformed about what the Bible says on the matter, but they're hypocrites, much like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. They virtue signaled on the corners of the streets. Jesus said this, and he called them hypocrites and vipers, and he called them like a whited sepulcher, a tomb that's painted white, but it's rotten on the inside. This isn't, these are not my words. That's what Jesus spoke to the religious leaders who were as confused and misleading as some of ours today are politically. What does the Bible actually say about this, about borders and national sovereignty? I've talked about this before, and I've quoted several different people, including Sam Rohr, who's a pastor. He's a former legislator. And I'm going to go through what I've said before on this, quoting he and others, and quoting myself from sermons that I have preached as a pastor. But immigration and border control issues, they dominate the news now more than ever. And they're dividing our nation. And now, we're while we are self-destructing on our southern border, we're out trying to save the world. I'm, and again, I'm not anti-Ukraine. I, I know Ukraine people. I love them. They're great, the ones I know. And I've worked with pastors from there in the past. But man, what are these people thinking? Biblical principles are clear. These people are confused. 
deeply confused. Jim Wallace and all these guys on the left are running around in pulpits that will have them in churches, Episcopal and far-left Baptist churches. There are some of those and whatever, Presbyterian churches. And they're preaching this gospel that isn't the gospel. It's hypocritical. It's anti-biblical. And yet they're doing so with this passionate sound in their voice. And with all due respect to them as people, they're wrong. They're dead wrong. That isn't what Jesus taught. It isn't what Paul taught. It isn't what the Bible teaches. And they're dragging this country towards self-destruction with false doctrine. God's position on immigration and borders. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, Paul says that God established nations and borders. Daniel chapter 2, he raises up leaders. God raises up leaders and nations, and he puts them down. Without borders, there's no order, no law, no justice. Without borders, God's promise to bless the nation whose God is the Lord could never occur. God's plan of redemption revolves around nations. In time, God will judge all nations. The judgment of the nations is biblical who reject him. But is it any wonder that the coming Antichrist, the globalists, demand open borders? If borders or walls are immoral, as some religious leaders teach, and Biden and Pelosi and Harris are marching to that drum, then Nehemiah was wrong. And even more so, God himself is wrong because heaven, heaven has walls and gates. Jesus said that whoever circumvents one gate and climbs in another way is a thief and a robber. Borders are essential to nations. In fact, the definition of a nation includes a common language, a common view of God, and a common borders. That's biblical. God's blessings and judgment are bestowed on individuals and nations. Borders, border control are essential to protect a nation's citizens and they should rise to the highest concerns for those in civil authority. They're our own nation, not a different nation. Additionally, this immigration controversy is not only political, but it's moral. Scripture passage most often used by those who justify open borders and weak immigration policies, if at all, is Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34. God commanded Israel to welcome the stranger or the sojourner as one who's native-born. By itself, that sounds virtuous, but it's virtue signaling. The Hebrew word for stranger in this text is ger, G-E-R, and it means the immigrant wanting to assimilate, to embrace the God of Israel and their laws. This is the, what the Bible says. King Solomon in Second Chronicles 6.32 said, If a sojourner comes to the land because of our God and prays in the temple, then welcome them in. To be welcome, immigrants must submit to not rebel, fear God, and not fight for atheism and Allah and whatever. Then in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 7, God uses another Hebrew word for stranger, Z-U-R, Zer. And that means an enemy or one who would not assimilate, who hated the God of heaven because Israel would not obey God on matters of borders and immigration and point people to the God of heaven. Isaiah said that God would use these strangers as judgment. They would come and burn the cities with fire and overthrow the nation. And that's a horrible price to pay for wrongly interpreting God's word. There's more, but you get the point. That's where we are today. Unfortunately, our leadership is claiming to be biblical, and they are not. 
Thanks for being with me today, and thank you for your support. Hey, we need it. Um, stand with us. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.